Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. With all these milestones, with all these goals that I have, if you do not enjoy the way that you're getting there, it's not going to feel good when you get it. Hello and welcome to the Miseducate podcast. My name is Sarah Gathugu, host and owner of the Miseducate blog and now podcast. This podcast is here to expand upon prior and future blog posts and is centered around having open and honest conversations about the aspects of life we have been misinformed on. Whether that be relationships, religion, culture, you name it, I'm here to talk about it. Each episode, I will be talking about a different topic and inviting guests to talk about their own experiences of miseducation and what they are doing to re-educate themselves. This podcast aims to make you laugh, think and inspire conversations for change. None of us have it right. We have all been miseducated. On this episode, I'm joined by Charity a actress and youtuber as we talk about the miseducation of milestone deadlines having things at a certain age and achieving things at a certain age family expectations as well as the aim of being present and being true to yourself so without further ado let's get into it okay so firstly this is Charity, a fellow Kenyan babe, a YouTuber, an actress performing in theatre and indie short films as well as web series, and the business director and co-founder of The Basement Bunch, an independent film and theatre production company headed by four women. Welcome Charity, and oh. how are you? <laughs> I am good. You have done your research. I was not expecting all of that. <laughs> oh, I you. come with the facts. I come <laughs> with the facts because we need to hype e- each other up. So I yes. have to come with my research. I'm, I'm serious about this. <laughs> I'm here for that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. But how are you doing? How are you today? I'm good. I'm having a good week. Um, the work that I do, we mostly work in schools. So I'm sort of having like a more relaxing week because kids are on half term right now. So it feels good to, you know, have a less stressful week. The sun is out in the UK, so we're all enjoying ourselves right now. So that's good as well. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the sun being out as well. I've just moved back home um, after being at university doing my final year. So I'm I'm yeah. finally free. I'm free. <laughs> amazing oh my goodness life is gonna feel so strange for you now it really does I feel like I'm gonna be going back to university like in a couple of months time it's not hit that I'm like not going back there yeah how are you how are they doing your graduation is that going to be in person it's not we I don't know specifically my university because I went to the University of Essex Mm. um I don't know when my graduation is going to be it was supposed to be in July but they were like we don't want to risk it so maybe September maybe December maybe next year I mean yeah I can't to be honest I really can't be mad at them Mm. 
because like I have friends that so I did a four-year course while as like my friends did like three-year courses so like they finished in the midst of the pandemic didn't have a graduation at all so like the people that I really feel bad for are them not necessarily Mm -hmm. me because I'm like at least you know you'll eventually get something yeah I will get something so I'm not too like pressed fair enough yeah but yeah I kind of wanted to ask just like before we get into the main um like premise of the interview just ask Mm. a few questions because as as you have already heard I did my research (laughs) um but yeah in kind of like the bio of like the basement bunch it was it Mm. says like charity is the first in her family to venture into an arts related career so as another fellow Kenyan who is also kind of wanting to venturing into the arts creative industry Mm. did you find it hard to like express to your your family that you wanted to go into the into the arts oh 100% I I didn't even know how to bring myself to them to say by the way all the things that I've been doing in school in terms of summer productions, school plays, you know, after school activities and drama. I actually want to do this as a career because, you know, I think as parents, and maybe this is a general thing, they sort of have like set ideas on where they want their kids to be. And especially when you come from an immigrant family, Mm. to them, it's like, we came to this country for better opportunities. Why are you going to do something that's going to be really hard and a struggle for you to get into when there's other things that you could do that might to them seem like, you know, the easier route or the more efficient route. But I was like, this is what I'm passionate about. And there's nobody else in our family that is doing this. So it's not like I've been influenced by something else. This is coming Mm. from within me. So I need to follow that. I need to follow what is driving me towards this because that could be higher than what, you know, than what I think, you know I mean? It's not just, I've got a let me put my phone on silent because I don't want to get distracted <laughs> by notifications. Um, but no, yeah, it, it can be higher than me just, you know, doing it in school. Maybe it's something within me that's saying this is something that you're supposed to do. So it took them a while. It took them a very long time. I don't actually think they started taking it seriously until I got my first paid acting job, which was in 2016. Mm. And since 2008, I had been saying that I want to be an actor. Wow. So that, that time, <laughs> that time <laughs> was, yeah, was them saying, oh, like, you know, maybe you want to do something else or, you know, I think they thought I'd grow out of it. And because mm-hmm. I never did, they eventually came to accept it. So they mm-hmm. are, they are pretty accepting now. Um, a lot of, a lot of, you know, whether that be parents, aunties, uncles will refer to me as, yeah, charity's an actor, you know, whereas before they wouldn't really say that. They'd say, oh, you know, because I used to do other part-time jobs. She's waitressing, but she's working on doing something else and all of this kind of stuff. So, wow. yeah. To yeah. be honest, I feel like you've just answered my follow-up question, which is, <laughs> like, what has their reaction been since then, like, yeah. now, and seeing, like, your company as well? Mm. Do you know what? I think, as well, for me choosing to go against, essentially, what they wanted for me, gave like other family members confidence like I have a cousin who became more vocal about her natural talent for art um, and another cousin who's in a similar path uh, not in terms of acting but art in general and so 
it kind of felt like okay now we're a team of people who are going after what we want and there's more of us doing this so now it's like they have no choice but to accept that because sometimes when it's just one person it's like oh maybe we can try and you know sway them or try to influence the way that they think but when more people are supportive of you or more people are also wanting to go on a similar journey it's like okay maybe we do have to take this seriously because it's not just like a one-off a one-off thing yeah yeah Oh, I love that. I yeah. love that. Have your so parents great. become accepting of what you're doing? Or are they um, still working on that? To be honest, I feel like it was easier for me just because mm. I'm the youngest in my family. So it was okay. like my sister was always kind of like, you know, the one that was like, you need to go to university. You need to do this. While mm-hmm. as like for me, I think my parents were actually very surprised that I said I want to go to university rather than doing xyz xyz with Mm -hmm. literally everything that I do now like some things are just they're kind of like oh you have you have a blog you do this yeah oh you you write for these people like yeah yeah yeah, I just kind of do my own thing now which is yeah and they've been supportive of that and even like wider family and like aunties uncles cousins yeah everyone has just been like supportive of that so I feel like I've been really lucky in that area yeah I feel like older siblings are like the guinea pigs of the family we take the rump of everything and then it's like oh actually maybe we should have been a bit lighter on this or maybe we shouldn't go so hard on this and so yeah my younger siblings definitely are reaping the benefits of me doing what I do now um and then being able to go after what they want so yeah yeah for you uh (laughs) good for you is what I'm saying yeah um, also, I wanted to ask more about like the company, um, mm-hmm. your company, the Basement Bunch, because it also says that like your kind of vision and like what spurred you was like seeing the lack of leading female characters yeah. in dream stories, the lack of black, mostly darker skinned and female um, characters of cover of color with mm-hmm. substance, the lack of opportunities and accessibility for working class actors. And I kind of wanted to ask you whether we could get like more of an like intimate glimpse into that conversation that you guys had. Yeah, sure. So when I finished uni, um, I decided to take a break, if you will, from acting. Um, But I still didn't want to leave the industry. So I did an internship in a talent agency. And that's when I started to learn more about the business side of the industry. You know, agents are the people who sort of look after actors and find them the jobs. And then they send them out on auditions and who get like a percentage of your cut if you do book a job. Yeah. So working as a general assistant for these agents, you tend to see all the jobs that come in for actors. And a lot of these jobs specifically asked for white actors whether that be male or female and when they did ask for black actors or actresses there were a lot more black actor requests than there were black actresses Mm. black actresses was always um split into black or mixed and you will see in most cases especially in a lot of mainstream stuff um mixed black women are often casted as black women black women so therefore that the role is in you know portrayed by them and so it's almost like a we're gonna we're gonna send out you know a casting call for both of you but in our heads we we know ideally we're mostly going to go for like you know the the option that is more aesthetically pleasing for them right Mm -hmm. so when you started to I started to to notice a lot of this because obviously I'm in the office a lot I'm in these production meetings and I had other actor friends like my friend Addie who I mentioned um 
who was also pursuing acting and she was working as a producer in a theatre company, she was noticing the same things and how there was a lack of opportunity for us. And we were like, when we actually start pursuing, you know, these acting opportunities, what can we actually audition for? And are we only being asked to audition just so we can tick a box for them to say, yeah, we gave them the opportunity, but they weren't quite right and we offered the role to somebody else. But it's like, when you look at, especially when you look at Black British films or Black British TV shows, Mm. I don't think you can really name five Black actresses who are like household names who are working really well who are in consistently in different projects you can probably name one person in this show and then one person in this show but you know it's not like a rotation of work and so because of that we we used to talk on the train because we used to go to these master classes in London as part of our internship program and we used to just vent we'd be like oh my god this industry like and the thing is I tried to talk to my agent uh, the agents I was working for about it and they completely again because they you know they're from complete different backgrounds all of them white all of them middle class or upper just have no connection to this side of the world you know or a side opposite to to what they know and so for them it was like I was asking oh when do we get to have a black show when do we have when do we get to have a character that talks about black stories but I never said anything about it being black stories I just asked for more diversity in the stories Mm. because I was asking for diversity they assumed that I meant the whole show had to be about race right Mm. so yeah so from that we just as a joke we just said should we just start creating our own stuff we had no idea what we were doing Sarah um we just started to put some ideas down on paper and then next thing you know we're collaborating with other people other like-minded people and then we started to get recognition through theatre work and then from theatre we then transitioned to film and obviously we do both and so yeah it was just a natural progression but we learned a lot from the process and it, it, you know, the company was founded because we just wanted to contribute to the change that we want to see in our industry. We want to contribute to giving opportunities for ourselves and also for other um, actors who, you know, are marginalized in this industry, who don't have the same opportunities as somebody who comes from privilege or somebody who comes with connections. And so it's, it's like, if you, you know, if you think of the underdogs, you think of the people who, don't have the best start or don't have the most you know connected start collaborating and just you know making work for themselves and each other that's kind of how we see ourselves Mm. yeah oh I love that I love that and kind of just before we get into the main part like can you give us like a a glimpse into like any new projects that you're working on yes I can I can indeed so we just finished production on a web series called Thicker Thieves. It's written by Shakira, who isn't one of the co-founders of The Basement Bunch, but she is a core member of The Basement Bunch. She is a actor, director, writer, and she wanted, have you seen Set Off? The American action thriller, so Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett Smith. I've heard of it, but I haven't. I think you, you, you might, like if you see some scenes, you might recognize it. She was inspired by that and she just wanted to create like a UK version of that story. Mm. That was her initial idea for Thick as These. And obviously with coronavirus and, you know, with production, there's always some sort of issue that leads to you having to change the original idea to fit 
you know, still being able to shoot everything as planned, the storyline had to change a little bit. So it is more so about friendship and it's about choices that we make that affect the people around us um, and how ultimately at the end of it, those are the same people that you need to sort mm. of out of that mess and so it explores that and that will be released in the summer we don't have an official date yet but it is in post-production at the moment so it's being edited and it will be a six-part web series and we're hoping to you know sell the episodes on platforms like Amazon um, or Google Watch and things like that and also from that project promote it to other production companies bigger production companies and ours or distributors and ask them if they'd be interested in like having a season two for the for the show so yes uh, <laughs> yes yeah. so we're here for this yeah guys you've heard it here first yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um but yeah so on to the main kind of chunk of the interview mm. As I kind of said before, and as the listeners already know, the premise of this interview is to ask my guests an area of your life where you feel that you've been miseducated on. And so, yes, what have you, Charity, been miseducated on? The idea of having to achieve something by a certain age. Mm. And so I don't even know where to begin with this. I think let's start from the beginning. So growing up, and again, comes from traditional values, comes from, you know, I wasn't born in this country, so I was an immigrant for a while before I became a citizen. It's following the ideals and the beliefs that your parents were brought up on because that's all they know. And so when I was younger, I wasn't raise, raised to believe that I needed to work towards my own dreams. Mm. I was raised to believe that I needed to work um, and get an education and then become somebody's wife and somebody's mother. So that was sort of like the pressure that I had on, you know, that my family placed on me from a young age. And again, it goes, like I said, it goes from their own experiences and what they were brought up, you know, being poor, not everybody got to have the education. And so those who didn't ended up becoming mothers and just workers that supported other members in the family, right? So I don't know, I guess a similar thing with my family was that that pressure was placed on me. So with that being said, in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, like, as I know, a lot of people have thought, especially when you get to high school, oh, yeah, by the time I'm 25, I'm going to be married and I'm going to have kids because that's what that's what's supposed to happen. And that's the kind of life that I want to have. Let me tell you, when I got to like, I don't even know how old, maybe 20, 21, I was looking at that, that, that the deadline or, t- you know, time frame that I put on myself. And I was like, one, is this even something that I want? Mm. And two, what is the likelihood? Like I finished uni when I'm 23. I'm supposed to have found a husband and to start preparing to have kids by 25. Like even when, when I think about the idea now, that seems like such an ancient mindset. It's so wild to think that that was once something that I believed in. And because of that pressure, I then thought, okay, I need to achieve everything that I want in life and then I can focus on having a family. So I started to put deadlines on myself to achieve a certain thing so oh yeah I've got to be moved out by this age okay maybe this time by this age I've got to have a house and I've got to have reached this point in my career and all of these things were work related all of these things were to do with work and nothing to do with 
my personal well-being to do with things that I enjoy and I started to you know you realize from time and experience that you're not actually putting anything any time frames for enjoyment you're not saying oh by this age I want to experience this thing that makes me happy or I'm curious about and so everything was about work 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 and because of that I overworked myself all the time you know I believe Mm. in the grind and you know team no sleep and all of that and it's one it's not healthy and two there are other ways to go about achieving your dreams and you know as long as you're alive those dreams and as long as you're alive and as long as it's what you want those dreams aren't going to go away so why put pressure on time as long as you're working towards your goal they're not sprinting towards them I think you're going to be a a lot more efficient in achieving them you know it's like Nipsey Hussle said you know it's a marathon and I started to you know embody that mindset more and understanding that actually after like I said 2008 was when I decided I want to be an actor now and I was like 15 at the time I'm now 28 and that hasn't changed Mm. so why if I had put a time frame on myself oh I have to have got an agent and have started doing you know becoming a working actor by this age and I didn't then I would have become then I would have become a lot more discouraged Mm. I would have you know you know doubt would have started seeping in from outside and then self-doubt would have started seeping in and then I would have thought maybe I need to have a change in what I want to achieve because it's not happening within the time frame that I want so therefore this must mean that it's not something that I should be you know going for and I think that's a mistake that we can make for ourselves is thinking that because it's not happening it means that it shouldn't be happening Mm -hmm. when actually you could just be heading in that direction but it's just not in the time that you think it is Um, and I kept asking myself like what am I doing right now I'm doing everything I can to get to where I want to be I'm doing everything that I can to be the kind of person I want to be and I'm progressing so don't don't force that progression to go harder than than necessary and so yeah when I start to release myself from milestone deadlines as I call them um, I became a lot happier I became a lot more relaxed I became a lot more confident and I became a lot more driven Mm. <laughs> surprisingly yeah. surprisingly because everything was with purpose and everything was tactful but at the same time I'm also enjoying my life yeah. and that was the thing that I lacked for a very long time is that I didn't enjoy myself I didn't you know I wasn't confident as a person and so that affected the way that I present myself you know I felt like I was always presenting as if I was happy or as if I was joyful but inside I wasn't um and so I think Although me realizing the milestone thing happened in part, it wasn't like an actual realization. It's more so something that I realized in reflection. Um, I've the moment I started to stop putting pressure on myself, I became more confident, and then that allowed for everything else to sort of unravel and happen the way it is. So yeah, that to me has been the biggest um, miseducation is putting pressure. And now that is like I said, I'm I'm 28. And I'm thinking to myself, having a family isn't even in the forefront of my priorities. Mm -hmm. And that is okay to me. That isn't even something that I feel disheartened by. But if I think about some of the goals like, oh, you know, going on holiday or doing this, I'm more like upset at the fact that I didn't give myself an opportunity to do that than I am about having a family. And so that is as well as being honest and truthful 
to what it is that you want as a person and not what you were fed to believe from a young age you know realizing who you are as charity what does charity actually want what mm. actually drives her does she actually want this thing or is it just because for a long time she believed in this thing and you know sometimes I feel like I'm still holding on to certain aspects of of that because I don't want to 100% disappoint my family because it's like I'm giving you nothing I'm giving you absolutely nothing from what you were hoping from me yeah Um, but yeah yeah definitely that and also recognizing what are milestones because milestones for you know you can be different to what milestones for me are Mm. and so you know in society what we might think oh yeah people achieving this before 30 um in a professional sense but then nobody talking about maybe what's their mental health like you know mm-hmm. what they overcome because I like to think that I've my milestones in my mental health and well-being are much greater than anything that I could have probably achieved professionally because that mm-hmm. was the biggest setback for me that was the biggest yeah. thing that was holding me back but people people won't look at that and think that's a milestone they'll just they, they won't even recognize it you know they mm-hmm. might say oh you know your energy is different or you you seem a lot more free but they, they wouldn't you know you wouldn't get an award for that do you know what I mean yes so yeah definitely definitely mm-hmm. um I was gonna ask like what what expectation like where do you think that these specific expectations came from for you because I know that you mentioned like traditional values and culture Mm. and family but like where did they like looking back in reflection Mm. do you do you feel like you can pinpoint more like specifically where they came from if that makes sense yes no no I understand what you're saying um I think in some ways it's it's more so what community slash society thinks Mm. so a lot of the pressures that were placed on me I think a lot of it was influenced by my family I'm saying my family because I'm speaking generally here um you know what would others think what would other people in the community think what would um friends think that kind of thing so it's more so about external pressures and then that being projected onto the kids than it was about um them actually believing in it in themselves you know Mm. it's it's strange to think that as an adult you're encouraging a child when they're 15 or 16 to grow up to become somebody's mother and child when they're just a child themselves do you know what I mean yeah so I think that comes from values in that sense also like patriarchy patriarchy (laughs) Um, patriarchy. yeah (laughs) so you know and and that that belief and you know there's obviously a lot of that in our culture and I'm so do you know what it's so interesting because I feel like I'm such a in the in a non-stereotypical way I'm such a rebel against everything that essentially my my family grew up on there's some things I still believe in you know culturally in terms of like how we come together as a community and things like that there are other things where women are not seen or not respected in a way that they should be respected that I don't agree with yeah that's something that I've always believed but was more afraid to challenge you know as a kid I had so many questions but I didn't know how to challenge them because I was like well this is not what I'm being taught so I have to believe this but then it's like why why is it when 
most of the women in my family who are the most hardworking people I've ever met, they're still considered less than because they're women, you know? Um, yeah, it just, it just didn't sit right with me. Um, and so I think a lot of that is patriarchy and that, that triggering into cultural beliefs and also patriarchy working with religion and that working its way into cultural beliefs because you know we say culture but I think a lot of the culture has been peppered or spiced with a lot of other things that is <laughs> as culture but actually comes from things like religion and patriarchy and um misogyny um mm-hmm. yeah so I think that's where that comes from and it's mm-hmm. not seeing women as people and seeing them as objects and seeing them as uh, titles before before that yeah mm. yeah how did you how did you like find the I don't want to say strength but like where did you find the voice to just start asking the question why because mm. I know that like in a Kenyan household when you're like why why mm. why I can just imagine just an auntie or your mom or your dad just like ah, stop asking questions yes <laughs> right asking questions exactly just kind of like but I want to know why because mm. I feel like there are some things that like not just in like our Kikuyu Kenyan traditions but just in general when mm. you're brought up in a certain kind of culture and tradition you're just kind of like supposed to accept it and not ask any questions exactly so exactly. like where did you find that kind of like do you I know yeah where did you find I it I, <laughs> I don't even think I asked the question why I think I I just did what felt more true to me mm. and they would ask why mm. and then I would explain why I was doing what I was doing so it's almost like I I didn't know how to vocalize it so then I would act on it you know mm. so I would I would I'm, I can't I'm trying to think of an example right now like a, a defining example for me an example isn't coming to mind but basically, <laughs> basically I started to just oh actually actually so growing up um and this is this wasn't okay let me just explain the situation so growing up my dad always used to call me Dr. Charity and he used to refer to me in that way forever for a very long time even when I had said that I want to be an actor even when I had started taking performing arts at uni so even when you can see that everything I'm doing is not heading towards that direction you're still referring to me as a doctor and one day I just said and this was honestly like the most bravest thing (laughs) at the time was I confronted him about it and I said I find it very upsetting and a little bit disrespectful that you keep calling me Dr Charity when that's not who I am maybe one day I can play a doctor on TV but I don't want to be a doctor by profession and just me and that that was me speaking out of my truth just me vocalizing that not to his face I think it was a message or an email um <laughs> he then he then stopped he stopped he stopped calling me Dr Charity and um he instead put like he would put like beautiful daughter or like beautiful child or something else in place of that and so I was like oh my god how easy was that you know I had been ignoring and like you know dismissing that name that he used to call me because of fear of upsetting him or fear of of doing that and even recently I posted a video on YouTube um called 
the truth about my sexuality I think that's what it was called I can't remember the exact title yeah and I, I spoke about the truth about um my sexuality and it was just me vocalizing my experiences from childhood and now and I put that on YouTube but I was also very scared and worried and anxious about how my family would respond to it surprisingly especially from like the the women in my family I got really great responses from them and some of them saying that you know they they were so proud because for them like some of them they've been struggling with you know coming to that place for themselves coming to that place of accept acceptance and being true to who they are because of all these pressures and all these things that we mentioned earlier influenced by culture by society by upbringing um and yeah even just like me going on holiday posting myself with friends dancing on a boat like things like that that you'd think that would be kept on your private story I would post that publicly my family follows me on my social media. I wasn't hiding anything from them. Yeah. And so the more I did stuff like that, the more they'd ask me about, oh, how was that trip? You know, how are you, how was this? You look like you're having fun. Um, yeah. And so from that, they just sort of started to ask me, oh, why, why, why this place? Why did you go there? Oh, who are these people? And so they became more inquisitive about my life. Mm. And then and then that's how we sort of came to that. I don't think it really came from me asking them why. It was more so just me acting on things that felt true to me and then them sort of responding to it. Mm. Ultimately having to accept it because they're not going to tell me to take it down. Um, they're not going to be like, oh, don't do this, don't do that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, because it, it seems like it's not even just like you're acting on it. It seems like you're also becoming like open and receptive and you're allowing you like it's not like you're like you've said you're not doing it behind closed doors anymore you've opened it up and you said here I am here's my life and it's it's like you're comfortable with your decisions you're comfortable with your choices and you're like if I'm comfortable with this why should I then hide it because I found it so interesting when I watched your video where it was about like the truth about my sexuality because I remember just sitting and being like yeah yeah me too me too sis yeah 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 and just like kind of like looking through your comments and seeing everybody just being like wow this is so great and I was like wow wow Mm. wow because I don't know there was a part of me that was like in my knowing as a child of immigrants Mm. knowing the stance and just knowing the culture that we live in I was just kind of like I mean I've thought about it I'll have quite I'll have I'll talk to people about it but would I put it on YouTube for the world to see I don't yeah. know <laughs> like, even just watching your video and then seeing people's responses allowed me to open up a little bit more with myself and being like why are you so hesitant mm. what is going on da, 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 da. but I, I like that I like that it's not just this like you weren't challenging them by like because I know some people are just kind of like you know what I'm just gonna ask why mm. and ask questions of this and that and that it's more like you've kind of opened up I don't know why the first thing I thought of was you just opened up the shop and said hey come in come and see my work in progress come see everything you've got questions I'm here to answer yeah and I love that it's so it's so beautiful it's super beautiful thank you thank you but no yeah like you know things like especially when you're talking about things that you've grown up to believe are wrong another thing that just came to mind and especially because it's pride month um going to protests or you know sharing videos about the lgbtq community knowing that my family are going to see this yeah and like again like you said it's just 
it's what I believe in, it's what I support. And if they have an issue with that, they can address it with me, but I'm not going to try and change their views or I'm not going to try and, what's the word? I'm not going to try and um, convert them because it's not something that I think should be converted. I think, I don't understand why anyway, anyone would have a problem with a person living life and living their truth as long as they're not hurting anybody else mm. I just don't know why it should bother you so much I don't know why you're so pressed yeah so, <laughs> I feel like if you have a problem that is actually that's your personal problem that should not be taken into a community of people who just want to live free and true and I I think for me just doing things like that as well is another way of without saying in so much words this is what I believe in and this is what I support and yeah not a lot of people have challenged me on that in terms of family not a lot of people have said oh you know and when I say family I'm talking about older generation of people not like cousins yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 um I've said oh you know this is wrong or you shouldn't be doing this you know so yeah mm. Mm. how did you learn to distinguish between this is what charity wants mm. and society because sometimes like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like, as you said, you kind of like feel like you're rebelling, mm. but it's not necessarily something that like I, as Sarah, would have wanted to do. Yeah. But like sometimes the actions that I, sometimes the actions that I do now would be considered as acts of rebellion. Some probably wouldn't. It's mm. like a spectrum of like, she's being very rebellious. She's not being very rebellious at all. But like, yeah. how did you learn to kind of like tune into and distinguish this is charity this is what she wants this is society this is what society wants for me but it's yeah. not what I want yeah um honestly by making mistakes that's the simplest way that I can say that so there have definitely been moments in my life where I have been unsure of what I've wanted and I've sought to like friends or sought to other people and their opinions or advice I took it on and then you do something and then you don't feel so great about yourself. And it's like, mm, it's because the advice or, you know, the opinion or whatever they shared is something that fits with them. Mm. And it didn't fit with you. And you've done it and you've learned from it and you've experienced it. But now actually you realize if you were to go about it in your own way, you understand that you wouldn't have done that. Um, and sometimes it's also just not everything is so analytical as well sometimes you just do stuff you just do stuff and when you reflect you can you can decipher whether that or not that was a good thing or a bad thing for you whether you enjoyed that whether that excited you whether that confused you and I think all these things are valid and I think whenever I whenever I experience something that confuses me or frustrates me or angers me I always try to get to the root of it um, and it's also the same thing about joy whenever I feel like immense joy I also try to analyze that because I always want to remember and reflect on what is it that actually makes me happy and what was I doing or what were the circumstances that allowed for you to have those sensations um, and being able to recognize that. And from experience, because obviously, you know, when you live more of life and you take more risks and take more chances, you're going to have a lot more of those experiences to learn from and to sort of figure out what is me and what is society and what is maybe an influence of both um mm. and I think that's okay I think it's just being okay with I'm a massive risk taker in so many different ways I can't even tell you the things that I've done <laughs> it's like massive and, and when I say that I mean even things like 
as simple as I went on a solo trip to Portugal last year mm. I was massive I've never gone on holiday any anywhere by myself um, although I have the capability of doing that because I'm independent I just thought this is a different country I don't know anyone if anything goes wrong I don't really have anybody that I can bounce you know lean on for safety in a, in the country I met these girls on a on a boat tour and we had a nice conversation and they invited me for dinner with them that night because I you know they, they knew I was by myself and I said yes and they were like oh what are your plans for tomorrow and I was like oh I was thinking of going to Sintra you know I um, rented a car Sintra is like a place another place in Portugal and it has like loads of wonderful um, landscapes and buildings to look at and they were like oh you know we should go together and I was like yeah yeah let's do that I just met these girls I'd literally spent no more than five six hours with them and all of them knew each other all of them were American and I just said yes let's do it and I took the risk of putting myself in a car with people that I didn't know and ended up having one of the best experiences that I've had abroad um I was climbing mountains you know something maybe something that I wouldn't have done had I been alone um had I been with friends because these girls love to climb they're climbers and they were like oh we should climb this mountain and I was like yes I've never done this before, <laughs> yes and so it's it's you know if it feels right obviously don't go with your intuition if it feels wrong you know if something is telling you don't do this then I would recommend not doing that but if you're unsure about something but it's in a way that you don't feel like you're in danger then definitely go for it um saying that I have also done things that I thought were dangerous but then still here I am alive to tell the story yeah <laughs> <laughs> so just take take more risks really take more risks um and have fun I think fun is you know it's not celebrated enough I don't think enough people are actually enjoying and you know it there's a different kind of fun when you're just high on life, mm. when you're just enjoying who you are as a person and the people around you. I've seen too many times and I've, you know, met too many people who rely on substances for fun or rely on a certain person for fun or rely on, oh, being in this kind of environment for fun. But when you can just have fun with yourself, that's one thing. But when you can just have fun just to be connected with people and just to have that space with people I think you've you've reached another level of life that is worth living so yeah 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 Yeah. you're very present like you're really present with yourself like it's it's not even just being like in tune with yourself it's like just being in the present which I think is such a contrast to like what I mean what you felt like you had been miseducated on and these having these milestone deadlines because when you have these milestone deadlines you're always thinking ahead rather than Mm. being in the present And I think it's so like powerful to just be like, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy myself. I'm going to take risks. I'm going to be okay with making mistakes because I think that just as, just as humans, we just don't want to make mistakes or we don't want to be honest about the mistakes that we've made because I don't know, this society is so unforgiving. There's so many different reasons. Oh yeah. 100%. But like, you're so like present with yourself and you're like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Mm. um and yeah I was just gonna ask like in comparison to those like milestone deadlines that you like were speaking about like mm. family marriage husband da, 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 um 
in comparison to those expectations, what has your life actually looked like? Mm. So, um, oh, that's how do I compact that? <laughs> Being the older sibling and having a lot of responsibility from a young age, I didn't have fun. Generally, I feel like I, I was robbed of a proper childhood. And so a lot of what my life has looked at right now is finding joy in moments, finding joy in people, and also actively working towards goals that I'm very proud of. Things that, you know, might not be seen as mainstream success, but actually, you know, I've worked with so many, when I think about my connections with people, and I think that's one of the greatest things for me, um, and life is all about connecting, especially, you know, with, with other people in this world and sharing stories and um, building from that for me it's that's the biggest thing for me is all the different connections that I've made and all the lessons that I've learned from all those different connections I, I don't take that lightly um, in all the jobs that I've done you know in all the jobs that I've done for for grind work and all the jobs that I've done in the corporate world is actually you know that would be seen as oh that's a really good job to have like well done you know in all those months I think for me it's just the connections that I've made with people um yeah and it's supporting supporting me supporting people and people supporting me um so I'm very that's that's pretty much what I I'd say that my life has looked like is having meaning meaningful connections mm-hmm. um and not taking life or others for granted yeah mm. and also like because you mentioned the, the the whole being present thing Part of that is knowing when to let go of also the past. And that was my biggest problem is that I was, because of this situation or this, like, for example, like a group of people who were connected by this thing that they did together, because of that, you know, let's say university, for example, you don't want to let that go because, oh, all these amazing things have, all these amazing things happened and you had so many experiences together, but you're no longer in contact with those people, but you're still holding on to, onto them. But really mm-hmm. you're just reminiscing on those memories and the fun that you had and the connection that you made. I think the moment that I realized to, to let go of that, to stop hoarding people in my brain and in my, <laughs> in my, um, in my heart in a way that you don't so for example I'm trying to simplify this explanation but um when you learn to let go of hoarding people you actually just learn to appreciate the moment that you had and so you don't apply this idea or you know of this person so for example there's people that I could have known 10 years ago who feel like who I could still feel connected to, but I'm also aware that I no longer know that person because we haven't been in communication yeah. for the time. And so because of that, I'm also open to like, like if I ever ran into them again, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like a, I know who you are kind of person. It'd still be like a, like forming a new friendship or forming a new relationship. And I think with that kind of mindset, when it had, when I have, you know, come to like, meeting new people or making new friends or having new connections I'm also aware that this this might not be forever charity and that's fine you don't have to hold on to people thinking that every connection you make has to be for life sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just for this moment and as long as you are living and you are present in this moment you are going to be able to reflect back and feel good and not feel sad because I nostalgia was 
a bad thing for me because it always I always saw it as like a oh I wish I could go back there Mm. instead of just appreciating what back there was and now looking forward and being like oh look where I am now yeah so yeah so that's another thing for me is not hoarding onto people as I used to and also not pressurizing what the future is going to look like but making sure that I'm doing what I can every day to work towards the things that mean the most to me to work towards these these desires the passion um and just to make sure that I'm always checking in with myself and making sure that I am enjoying the process because that's the most important thing there's as an actor as a filmmaker I can't tell you the amount of projects that haven't felt good because the process has been so difficult Mm. for whatever reason and so even though the finished product is wonderful and everybody's hype about it it's so hard to appreciate it because you didn't enjoy the journey that you went through to get there Mm. and so that's another thing that I think to myself with all these milestones with all these goals that I have if you do not enjoy the way that you're getting there it's not going to feel good when you get it Mm. so make sure that you were making sure that you were doing what you can to get to where you want to be but also not neglecting doing the things that just make you feel good and that doesn't have to be anything extravagant it can just be a small thing here and there um or a big thing here and there you know whatever your means are I think it's 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 important to never forget yourself and that's what my life is now is I'm doing the most for myself (laughs) yes uh, yes yeah. <laughs> exactly I struggled to get to the point but there we are no yeah. but the, it, yeah. all, it all collaborated to the point mm-hmm. which is doing the most for yourself and yeah. just being selfish yeah and I mean I always like to say I say it to myself and I say it to others like now is the time for you to be selfish so mm-hmm. be selfish like it's okay it's okay to do things for yourself um it's not a bad word to to or well be more selfful I heard the other day instead of selfish that's nice but kind of going back to like society and also family because it is very much a huge thing within our culture to you know get married have kids we're very like family orientated very hospitable um people I would say um so how do you think that people or should I say, how do you now respond to those people that are like, Charity, where's boyfriend? When are you going to get married? Because, <laughs> you know, it happens all the time. You can't escape it. It's just kind of like... It does. I've gotten into the habit um, of saying, like, for example, my mum, because she's a person who I see often, is don't ask me about marriage or kids until I'm after 30. So, <laughs> so now, like, I'm hoping that from this time until whenever I turn 30, it's just I have a few years off of having to hear the same thing over and over again. Um, because if I just say never, that will, that will send her into turmoil. Do you know what I mean? It's like, don't, ask, don't ever ask me about that. She'll be like, ah, I need, I need like, so this is, this is more so for her. Me saying, don't ask me until I'm 30 is just, okay. Okay, so, you know, she has time to ask me in a couple more years. With my family members, I tend to just revert the question a little bit. So if they ask me, oh, you know, um, are you dating anyone? And I'd be like, well, if I was dating somebody, you'd know about them. Um, or if I'm if I was dating anybody that I thought was worth talking about, you'd know about them. I don't really like to, you know, I, I'm 
dating I'm in my 20s I'm enjoying that experience but it's not it's not something that I wish to talk to you about because one I'm not going to invite somebody who I'm not passionate about who I'm not 100% sure about into my family who I very much respect and very much like you said we are a family oriented culture so I'm not going to be bringing temporary people into the picture for what reason so mm. that's how I said I tend to divert the question and when they say kids I'd be like oh what about this person who's married have you asked them if they're having kids um maybe let's not ask that question to me maybe let's ask nobody that question you know yeah <laughs> let's just leave women's bodies alone and let them decide because also it's you never know why a person isn't having kids you know mm. I'm very mindful of that and I I actually made the mistake and again this is from my upbringing when I worked in a corporate job after uni in an office and this this colleague of mine um I can't remember she was in her 30s and she had just been married and I met her and I was excited for her and I was like, oh my god congratulations and I said to her oh and oh um when are you planning on having kids like so naive to how detrimental that comment was and her whole expression changed like her mm. whole and from that moment I recognized that that is an inappropriate question to ask people because I've heard my family asking people that question I'd never thought that it was wrong you mm. know I just thought oh you know this is just like a conversation starter yeah she was like um I don't want to be rude charity but I just don't think that that's a question that you should ask um a woman because you just never know what the reason is and also we've just we just got married and it's not something that you know and she was just she just got into a huff about it and I was oh I'm, I'm really sorry like I didn't mean to like um I didn't think you know yeah that question I I apologize kind of thing um and I was embarrassed by it but also from that like I said you you learn from the mistakes that you make you learn to what's the best way to have conversations about people maybe not asking people that you don't know very well very personal questions like that mm, you know. definitely boundaries you know and I think for me it's just setting boundaries with family members and I think it's been a while since I've had invasive questions like that maybe because of COVID and we haven't been in the same room with each other but the last time I remember being at a family gathering was for like a wedding um another cousin of ours who who got married who's getting married sorry um the question comes up you know it's like oh this member of the family is getting married um what about you when is your <laughs> time and then it's like you just laugh it off you joke yeah. it off and you're like oh you know literally Sarah to tell you I just left the room I just left the room and said, I'm just not going to be involved in this conversation because I don't want to have this debate. Mm. It's not a conversation I enjoy having. Like, talk to me about, like I said, talk to me about my mental health and well-being. Talk to me about what you've seen me posting. Talk to me about my work. Talk to me about my company. Don't talk to me about personal things that you were simply asking because of curiosity and because of being nosy. You know, yeah. there's no other reason... The you you wanting to know that question it's not going to affect your life so therefore why ask why ask yeah um, yeah so I've I have spoken to a lot of my aunties and I have said I'd prefer it if you stopped saying that to me and yeah for the most part they have respected it I know they do forget sometimes um but it's nice to see that progression like even the other day I was just with my cousins and one of them was like oh um 
as a joke, I guess, within the cousin group, like, oh, like, well, who, who do you think is going to have a kid next? And then one of my little cousins like, well, I know charity is out of this equation. We're not going to have, don't worry, charity, we're not going to have, we're not going to direct the question to you. And it just made me smile because it's like, okay, people are starting to understand <laughs> boundaries. Or, you know, for some, you know, for some people, they don't mind that question, but because it's something that it's not, that I'm not trying for, and it's not in the forefront of my mind, I'd rather not have that. Talk about it. Yeah, talk about it, have that unnecessary pressure placed on me. So, yeah. Um, turning to kind of like a more, um, maybe like an analytical critical question um um because you did say like earlier on in the interview you never said um there wasn't a moment of realization it was more like a moment of like reflection Mm -hmm. so when in reflection did you realize that you were miseducated on these kind of like milestone deadlines um I would say most recently um during COVID, during COVID. Mm-hmm. And because I left a job, a stable job, because I realized that I was only doing it because I was getting money and it was a progression from the position that I was in before. Mm. But ultimately, where that job was taking me was nowhere in terms of once you like I felt like I had reached the potential of what that role that I was doing so I've been working with young people for a very long time yes um and it's 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 one of my most proudest um accomplishments and I feel like I have I can't I can't even tell you how many young people who I've worked with whose lives have impacted me and who I know I've impacted um as well and so, but that's, again, that's something that you don't, unless you're in it, you're not going to know about that. Nobody knows about that side of, of the, that accomplishment. They just know that I did this job that worked with young people. And so it must have been, you know, very fulfilling and profound and whatever. When I left my job, I left it because I realized there's nothing more or nothing new that I can do in this position. Mm. Um, I need a new challenge. And I also want to do something that aligns more with me in terms of feeding back into myself. So a lot of what I did, and I noticed this in my friendships, in my relationships with people in general, is that I would give a lot, Mm. but I wasn't giving the same to myself. And so even with youth work, I was like, you're doing this because you know that you're helping these young people and you're giving them confidence you're also not challenging yourself and doing things for you in the same way that you're encouraging them to go after things that they're scared to Mm. go after you're almost settling you know um and so because of that I was like oh why am I doing this why am I and it was a fear of starting over it was a fear of having to go back and you know be in a vulnerable position where you're almost starting from scratch. And I, I transitioned from theatre to TV and film. So I'd never worked in TV and film before. Mm. Um, and so it's ironic because even now, <laughs> so I now work for a production company where we're doing a, a commission for Channel 4. And it's about, can I talk about the project? I can't, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what the actual project is about yet, so I won't say that, but okay. we work heavily with children. 
so when I'm telling you about schools and stuff I left that thinking okay I'm done with that to now be brought back into a situation where I'm now doing something that is actually working for me and pushing progressing me further in my career and it's also still connected to everything that I had been working towards before so it's so interesting that I was like yeah I'm going to leave youth work alone only to be brought into a project that involves the youth Mm. Um, obviously I'm working on the production side of things but because I'm on set for this show I'm still connecting with young people in a way that fulfills me as a person but that doesn't necessarily have to um, doesn't necessarily fulfill my professional life you know it doesn't you know doesn't improve my work in that way so me taking that step was me understanding that okay this is a big risk this might not work out this might set you back in terms of where this age now we feel like we know we are not where we want to be but also this might set you up to kind of give you the booster that you need and it has done exactly that it has done exactly that and I'm now much more aligned with what I want in my professional career and much more um excited and it's you know it was very there was a period of time from when I made that decision to leave that I wasn't getting any work I felt like I was putting in all these applications and I wasn't getting to where I needed to be but now it's it's like I don't know it's just it just life is just working itself out simply by me um applying myself and also being ready to receive it when it arrives Mm. so I think for me that that realization or that reflection was you realizing that you were a point in your life where you felt like you were stagnant you felt like you weren't really growing or progressing in any way and taking a chance um, or a risk to change it and it actually working in your favor so because of that then I sat with myself and I thought about everything that I had done and I felt like I needed to have gone through everything I needed to have gone through to have been in that position where I felt like enough is enough if I hadn't had done all those other things beforehand if I hadn't had gone on all those different routes I wouldn't have been in the position that I was and if COVID hadn't had happened you know Mm. I wouldn't have been in the position because that's another thing with COVID when we're stuck indoors you have no choice but to sit with your thoughts you're not as distracted you're not as you know (laughs) like okay we are having to analyze and reflect with our with our emotions we're having to really think about the stages that we're we're at right now because I had been working so hard um for a long time and because this came and now the job that I'm doing isn't as isn't as hard in the sense of um manual labor kind of hard if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense so I felt like I was always working hard physically um in my jobs and with the last job it wasn't it wasn't as how do I explain this what is a word that I'm looking for essentially what I'm trying to say was that because everything is a lot more calmer right now, even though I'm in a position that is a lot more challenging, I'm also struggling with being in this in this moment. I'm like, am I not doing enough? And I'm like, no, 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 let's not do that. Mm. Let's not glamorize hard work because it was never fun. Um, <laughs> so I think it's just, um, 
yeah I think that was that was a moment that I was the most I guess reflective for me is looking back and realizing that everything that I went through I had to have gone through in order to have made that definite decision that I'm going to change this course of my life and go in this route because I feel like it's a better route and yeah everything there's so much pressure to achieve especially when you're in your 20s there's so much pressure to achieve certain things in your professional career by the time that you're 30 I don't know why 30 is a deadline I don't know why that's the mark Mm. I don't know why people think that at 30 you then stop living your life or maybe at 30 and this is I think this is also something that I had internalized I was like because I'm going to live my life in my 20s then I'll start having a family in my 30s but that was something that I had internalized for a long time and I felt like I was finding it hard to let go so me starting over and going you know starting a new venture in my career was this is going to set me back I'm going to be like 32 and I'm going to be like then just reaching a mid position um, or a mid um, level of this career when I could be in a senior position or I should be in a senior position by that time do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean so it was that fear of taking it was that fear of taking that risk and then being set back rather than realizing that actually it was a setup for the next stage of your life and the next progression of your career so I feel like you've already like pretty much said this but if you could summarize Hmm. how are you re-educating yourself when it comes to these milestone deadlines yeah so one of the things and this is very recent so it feels like it's not even it's hard to even claim it as a practice yet because it's something that I've started doing but it's noting down um where I'm at noting down where I'd like to be and then filling in the in-between parts so okay if this is where we are now and this is where we want to be what are the steps that we need to do to take there and then crossing out those steps if I've already done them and realizing that actually I'm on the right track so if at the very very bottom of that where we are now um I either haven't started that step or um, I'm about to start well if I haven't started that step then it's why haven't I started this step what is it in life right now that is you know um asking for more priority for me so that I can't do this step and then if I am about to start that step what is you know what is the everything else that I've got going on in life how is that going to impact me then starting that step and I think it's just recognizing the journey that you're on and having it I think when you write things down when you have a picture of where you're heading it's almost a reminder that actually things are working out Mm. because it's so easy to live life aimlessly you're like oh yeah I have this goal I have this this you know this this thing that I want to achieve and it's like but am I actually leading the life that I want or taking the actions I need to get there or is this or am I just doing whatever and hoping for the best Mm. um and I do think and I think there's nothing wrong with this because you know when you're in your early 20s you're literally I mean you're I feel like you're at every stage of life you're still figuring things out but I did not know after uni what else I wanted to do the only thing in my mind was I want to be an actor 
and I want to work with young people like that that was the only thing I had no idea about anything else so everything I did was "Eh, I'm gonna do this and like hope for the best you know just winging it yeah whereas now it, it, it life is a bit more structured and I am aware of if I okay so for example you know it's not just one goal that you have if I'm going after all these several goals obviously you can't go after everything at once unless I don't know maybe it takes a certain type of privilege to be able to do that but it's recognizing that okay if I'm going after this how is it going to affect the others um and am I going after this because this is the thing that I want the most or am I going after this because this is the thing that I am likely to achieve because of the current situation of life right now like what's presented in me in front of me in terms of opportunity and so it's just recognizing your hand and sort of just like playing with it but then also being free to the idea that things could change um you might change your mind or circumstances change that mean that actually this goal has come a lot sooner and that's okay um or this goal we're going to take a step back because I feel like I'm more in, in tune with this one so I think that's how I've I've sort of been doing that um and that's that's a recent practice because before I was literally just winging it and just hoping for the best and it and it has worked in some ways I've I've got a lot of experience in life um both in my personal and professional life so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah oh I love it um well those were kind of like my main questions but um, the final kind of segment, which is my favorite segment. I'm really proud of, I'm proud of these questions that I made up Amazing. in like five minutes. But the final segment is called Quick Miseducated Questions, which is Ooh. kind of like a quick fire round of questions. Kind of like the answer is like the first thing that comes to mind, mm. just to kind of lighten the atmosphere. Okay. Um, and so there are four questions. And the first question is, if this podcast episode was a song, what would it be? Oh, I don't know the name of the artist. Can I get it up? I know exactly yeah. the song. I know exactly the song because that's the first thing. The tune came to mind. Um, it's called Better Me. Ooh. Oh, who was the artist? I'm going to get it up for you. Like Me Better by Paris Alexa. Oh, Yeah. If you Google the lyrics, um, it'll relate a lot to to what you're what you're saying in this podcast about the miseducation of things because the whole like me better is about essentially what the song title is, liking me better because of the choices that I've making for myself and the things that I'm doing for myself. And it's such a feel-good vibe song. Yeah, definitely that. Um, and then the next question. Um, something people don't talk about but should oh interesting I just pg'd myself (laughs) you know what this is the first thing that came to mind and like you said just say what comes to mind um when it comes to sex Mm. I don't think the emotional part of it is spoken enough about. Um, I don't think we educate, especially young people, on what is the right feelings um, for that in terms of 
your your feelings in terms of how you feel about yourself how you feel about the other person um the emotions and everything like that that occur or are shared I don't think that is talked enough about and sometimes I think you know it's seen as such a physical act only and it's not seen as like a anything more whether that be spiritual whether that be um emotional and I think that side of things needs to be talked about and expressed more Mm. because then I think it would save a lot of people from rushing into things before Mm. their time yeah 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 um question number three and an up an an unpopular opinion oh I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion but I think we, you know, that there's this whole, there's this whole thing about, oh, I don't owe people anything. I don't owe this person, this, this, this thing, you know, it's, I think it absolves people from having responsibility for other people. I think as human beings, we have a responsibility for each other. So even things like billionaires who I don't even know why they exist people are like oh but they they work for their money they don't need to be helping people in need and I'm like no they absolutely do I'm sorry <laughs> but if I was a billionaire and first of all I think if you're a billionaire anyway how did you accumulate all those funds you know was it in the most ethical way ethical way exactly that's a good was it in the most ethical way and so I just feel like we have a responsibility as humans on this planet to take care of each other. I don't th- I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion, but it's it's one that I think is so it's not stressed enough because I do think a lot of people are selfish in selfish in a negative way in terms of I'm going to do whatever I can for myself, forget everybody else, forget if I hurt you, forget if, you know, I leave you on the streets, you know. Yeah. And last but not least fake news you wish was real fake news I wish was real that Tupac is alive (laughs) (laughs) no he's dead he's dead he's dead he's not even alive I shouldn't entertain that yeah that would be fake news but yeah those were all my questions amazing I would just like to say again thank you so much Charity for coming on thank Thank you for just being open and honest thank you for everything that you said like you're a great guest and a great individual and I wish nothing but the best for you as you continue on on this venture of just everything that you're doing you're doing a lot (laughs) but yeah do you know what it is a lot it is a lot but it's not overwhelming and that is the thing um thank you so much for having me I think this is a wonderful thing that you're doing like I said to you in private as well this is definitely a needed podcast um and it's definitely going to grow because this is an interesting topic and a lot of people and it, it resonates with a lot of people regardless of background walk of life all of that so um congrats this is a milestone that you need to celebrate I don't even know if there's anything else that I can really say to like outro this specific interview because it was just so encouraging it was so comfortable to be able to talk to charity and you know have somebody else's perspective 
I guess I'm really lucky and privileged in that sense that especially after leaving university that I've been surrounded by so many women, black women, Kenyan women, friends, family, sisters, cousins, people older than me that have just been encouraging me, especially because I've, I don't know, I just feel like this topic of like expectations of your 20s and expectations of what your career is supposed to look like, what your life is supposed to look like, having so many people just encourage me in that area has been nice and less daunting. But yeah, that is all to say that I felt really comfortable talking to charity. I think my aim is always to be comfortable and to make the other person feel comfortable and to just kind of let it flow like a conversation. And this interview definitely flowed so well, so nicely. I really thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you, Charity. And yeah, um, but that is all to say. What did you guys get from it? I'm intrigued to know. You know the drill by now. Let me know by following Miss Educate on social media. For Instagram, the handle is at missmis.educate. And for Twitter, it is at missmis underscore educate. And also let me know the next topic that you want to hear about, as well as don't forget to catch up on blog posts on miseducateblog.com and add your email to the subscription list so that you don't miss out on new posts. And check out the description for resources referenced in this episode and continue to watch, read, listen, educate, and then re-educate yourselves. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Charity, for being on the episode. Make sure to rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. And tune in next time for another discussion on the Miseducate podcast. Bye. My alarm is going off. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.